Hey guys, and welcome back to We Know How to Read on our special author series, They Know How to Write. My name's Natalie. I'm Megan. And I'm Andrea. <gasps> welcome. Welcome, welcome, welcome. welcome. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. Yes, we are so excited. We have yet another person that we met at Imaginarium, which so cool. <laughs> I mean, I could hardly say no to the wax seal. <laughs> Come on, yes. it's just like chef's kiss. That yes. was the goal the entire time. I was like, <laughs> bet. I like originally it was going to be something else, and then I remember I was talking to Megan. I was like, wax seal, and she's and like, wax like, yes. seal. <laughs> 100% is, the correct like, call. If I come all the way up to DC and it's not a wax seal, <laughs> I'm going back home. <laughs> Literally, I was, I actually um, was my, the problem was, is I had these long dagger nails and I had to light things on fire <laughs> to do this. And the, the, it was the juxtaposition of not lighting my fingernails on fire. <laughs> that is even more impressive. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, I was just like, okay, no burning. Cause I am notorious for burning my fingernails because they're so Oof. long. But anyways, anyway. enough about my pyrotechnics. <laughs> let's do some icebreaker questions. Yes. All right, let's do it. Megan and I are the quintessential millennial and have way too much time on our hands. So our first question is, <laughs> do you know your Hogwarts house and what is it? Oh, God. <laughs> uh, back, yeah, back when, yeah, back when your Hogwarts houses were in vogue. I think I like uh-huh. the official... The, that makes me sound so old. Um, I think I did take the official Pottermore quiz. Okay. And like, I had mm-hmm. like, I think I, I like clicked on something weird and wound up with two accounts. And so I Ooh. got started twice. And one time it put me in Slytherin. And Ooh. one time it put me in Ravenclaw. And I feel like if I had to pick between those two, I would go Slytherin just because I'm like, I don't know. I, like, I feel like the Ravenclaw thing where like you have to answer a riddle would stress me out because like mm-hmm. I'm one of those people who gets inordinately angry when you have to like answer the robot captcha questions <laughs> to like log into online accounts and I think that's like the the Harry Potter equivalent of that. Um, but, yeah, if I could just like straight up pick my own house, honestly, I would go with Hufflepuff because I love to eat. So and they're right next to the Excellent. <laughs> you are correct Hufflepuff is the best um I am a I am a Hufflepuff but I'm also I'm a Slitherpuff I think is what they're called yeah I, I yeah um, I feel like yeah I feel like I thought yeah. it was a so I'm one of those weirdos that believes that if you are if it's words are hard <laughs> um your dominant house goes first and your mm-hmm. non-dominant house goes next. So like, I would say I'm a Ravendor because I'm a right, Ravenclaw but, Gryffindor. But, uh. Huff, but Huffleren is not as cute You're as Slytherpuff. Slytherpuff is so much cuter. It, right, well. it really doesn't. <laughs> See, and this is where the Ravenclaw comes out of me. I was like, but the putt and square, Megan. <laughs> You're not wrong. You are not wrong. I 100% agree with you. It just doesn't sound as fun. <laughs> Um, so you said you accidentally made two accounts on Pottermore. I can't tell you how many accounts right? I have so on many. purpose on Pottermore growing up. <laughs> well, like, I'm like, keep taking it. <laughs> I'm so old that I was on beta Pottermore. Yeah. So like, oh, it wow. wasn't even like launched officially yet. Did you do all the games? 
Mm-hmm. When and it like, was a gaming site, when it yeah, wasn't. You went, through, you went through all of the books and as you went through the books, you yeah. got to play a little mini games. Yeah, it was a gaming site. You didn't do any, there's yeah. no reading, nothing mm-hmm. like that. It was all just like. I didn't quizzes. even know that this existed. Yeah. yeah. I miss so it. it was I, that was the version of Pottermore that I knew. Yes. And then yeah. I had to recreate an account once they officially mm-hmm. relaunched it and revamped it. And then I yeah. got that's when I got sorted into Ravenclaw. The first time I got sorted into Gryffindor. Oh, see, that's so much more complicated than what happened to me. I think I just got impatient and like, <laughs> to my brand about not wanting to click on robot capture riddles. I love like, that. That <laughs> sounds so slithery. Yeah, I think it refreshed three that times, is, but it just like- is, Yeah, <laughs> I love that. Um, okay, so kind of going into a similar vein of that. Yes. Um, and you can think of this any way that you want. Uh, what would you say, what element do you resonate, res- resonate, resonate yeah. with the most Ooh. water, earth, fire, air. You could think of it as the Zodiac stuff. You could think of it as Avatar, the last airbender. It, I was going to say want. my immediate, yeah. <laughs> immediate thought was Avatar, the last airbender. Yeah. But, this is, um, yeah, this question yeah. is kind of like our, like, are you a nerd like us? Question. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, I feel like you write science fiction and fantasy for a living. I kind of have to be. It's, it's an occupational hazard. Yeah, uh, I think, like, there's something to be said for all four elements, mm-hmm. but I would have to go with water just Damn it! Yes! When I, in, like, when I was, like, 14, I really wanted to be a waterbender, and that never, that never stopped. Mm-hmm. You so. ever like when like when you were in a pool and you were just like moving water around with your hands? Yeah, right. Like you were like. water bending. Yeah, yeah, it was the best. I did that too, but no. <laughs> yeah, but you can't really do that with fire. So yeah, I know. I well, so I had this obsession with being able to strike things with lightning. Mm-hmm. Like I just wanted to. Okay, manage. so you wanted to be like the Azula style of fire. Yeah, <laughs> the nails. I gotta say, it, it the works. nails and the accidentally setting your nails repeatedly on fire. Both right. Like fire yeah. is calming. Fire is just mm-hmm. like warm and relaxing and mm-hmm. I want to manifest lightning when I'm want to strike something just for my pure entertainment like I don't need it doesn't have to it could just be a tree or a bush or just because <laughs> I want to see it so yeah no we also have like this we, we keep tallies on like who's a Slytherin mm-hmm. like other all the houses and all the uh elements our first Slytherin our first Slytherin of this uh and our season. first water no no Last one was water. Too. Last one was water. That's I feel right. like water would have to yeah. be a pretty popular one. I feel like water bending it's, got a lot of got yeah. a lot of like highlight yeah. reels in the original series. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, um, how do you feel about the new casting for the upcoming live action? Oh gosh, I have not been following. Who I, like? I think I was sufficiently traumatized by the first. <laughs> I was like I'm just gonna wait and see how Mm -hmm. this turns out before I commit any feeling whatsoever to what's happening yeah yeah they recasted I don't know any of the actors I don't know any of them the only ones that look good are Sokka and Zuko okay oh yeah I think Sara looks okay, but yeah. Maybe maybe the one picture I've seen, I've only seen one picture of Sokka. I've seen more of Zuko mm-hmm. and Aang. So I uh-huh. feel like Zuko and Aang look yeah. good, but the one photo I've seen of Sokka, he's a little too white for me. That's fair. Uh, okay. Like he's, not, he's, not, he's not white. Yeah. He's yeah. just a little too pale. 
gotcha gotcha like i was i was like where yeah. i was like he needs a little little color little little <laughs> spend some time in the sun my um, guy i will say the only good thing that might come out of this show because it's not looking good with the original showrunners taking a step back and being like no nope, we're out um Ooh. is that they did age up katara which is very frustrating except when you realize she is now zuko's age <gasps> and and they're keeping Aang the same age as the cartoon. I heard we're getting redemption. So I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure we're getting Zutara. In I think we're getting and, Zutara. Like, and that might make up for everything. I don't, I, didn't, I don't know if this is true or not. I heard a rumor somewhere on the internet, which means it must be true, that like once upon a time, the original showrunners did mm -hmm. want to make yeah. Zutara yeah. canon. Yeah. And then so, they're like, oh, mm -hmm. but the main character yeah. is the love interest. Yeah. So I guess we'll like X that out. And I was like, that explains a lot about so, some interesting scenes yeah, in the first so two seasons. Dante Vasco, who voices Zuko, has confirmed that himself. And he is one of the biggest oh, Zutara yeah. shippers. That's what I've heard. There. Yeah. Like he is, he's the president of the Zutara fan club. Right. Like, oh, honestly. Yeah. He has read yeah. live Zutara fanfic on like just on Instagram. He has a podcast. Him yeah. and the voice of Korra. They have a podcast about Avatar stuff together. He is an avid Zutara. So that is the only redeeming aspect of this show so far. But yes. before we get too crazy I know, into right? Avatar lore, <laughs> um, our last icebreaker question for you is, if you could have any three people uh, for a dinner party, they could be celebrities, they could be... Um, regular people it could be fictional characters it could be people who are already dead fictional whoever characters. what three people would you want for a dinner party that is by far the hardest of the question we are breaking you in yeah. yeah that's like one of the questions where your answer is going to change depending on like the day and your oh mood. yeah and like whatever you just watched mm -hmm. uh-huh absolutely oh man okay yeah no now i feel like i could I, like if if fictional and dead people are like yeah must. fair mm -hmm. game oh like, yeah i feel like i gotta take advantage of that well as a book podcast i feel like if we had eliminated fictional <laughs> characters that would be a sin against us it that's, would that's a good point yeah. that's a good point <laughs> yeah Ooh. Um, and as a blatant statement, if you already didn't know by the fact that we just had a side quest to Avatar The Last Airbender, mm -hmm. anime and anything oh, yeah, comic related yeah. counts as, as a fictional yeah. character. Love it. Love yeah, it. Yeah. Big stance. Oh, mm -hmm. oh yeah. 100%. Um, let's see. Well, I was just watching Jujutsu Kaisen. <gasps> bet. Bet. So, yes. Yes. Yeah, Ooh, that's yeah, I think, yeah, I am gonna go with Nanami just because he's a bit of a booty. So if it's specifically a dinner party, I feel like he's a solid invite because <laughs> he's probably gonna bring like high quality bread or like- Oh, oh fast. Yeah. So like, that's like a good strategic <gasps> And he'll probably this. help you in the kitchen and like- with Yes, he would. Like, you with a giant mess. Yeah, so I feel like I gotta, I gotta make that one one of my choices. Uh -huh. Yeah, mm -hmm. definitely. All right, uh, living or dead. Um, I'm gonna go with Madeline Langle. Speaking of books, just Ooh. because um, Wrinkle in Time, Ring of mm. the Light, those books were really like formative for me. 
when I was a kid kind of coming up and mm-hmm. just speculative fiction. Like I think Wrinkle in Time was like probably like the first like I guess like soft science fiction novel that I really fell in love with. Like I read it in fourth grade and like became immediately obsessed with all Lengel for like years and years and years. Uh, so yeah, I think I would have Madeline Lengel as my second option. Okay. Uh, now that's my third option. So I've picked one fictional, one deceased. <laughs> and now, okay, now I feel like I, for variety, I think I need to find somebody both real and still alive. I uh, love this thought process here. Right? right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to like diversify my picks here. <laughs> oh gosh. See, this is one of those questions where I like wish that I had like, I understand why I didn't get- <laughs> I'm like man if I had like 24 hours I would have done like a full like pro-con analysis and everything that's very Ravenclaw of you that is very Uh, Ravenclaw of you that I don't want to deal with the riddle door which is yeah (laughs) oh gosh okay somebody still alive somebody who's not fictional um hmm Okay, I think because like I'm a jujitsu athlete, I'm going to go with Dion Davies, who was one of my favorite female jujitsu practitioners Mm, because I love watching her on the mats. Yeah. Um, So yes, we've got a little bit of a nerd answer. We've got a little bit of a jock answer in there. I think that's like a good, good kind of mix up. Ask me an hour from now and my answers will probably (laughs) change. Uh, (laughs) I think that's a good group. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I think we should start off this interview with just a little bit of a, a teaser for our audience to let, a, let yes. them know, like, what do you write? What is your books about? Give us a little, little something, something. Yeah. So yeah, I, in case you couldn't already tell, <laughs> I'm a fiction and fantasy writer. I would say like, despite the fact, so my debut was technically science fiction. I would almost categorize it as science fantasy. Mm. I, I feel like I'm not I am, I'm not smart enough in the fields of STEM to be like a true, true science fiction writer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I do love science. Like I do just love speculative fiction across the board. Um, and I like blurring genres as well, mm-hmm. um, which I think is also why as like a spec fic writer, I kind of wound up in young adults specifically because I think there's like a lot of space to play with that in that mm-hmm. age group. Oh, yeah. Um, so yeah, so at the moment I would describe myself as like a young adult speculative fiction writer. Um, oh, cool. but I'm definitely interested in, I think like branching out in other, in other genres really? and groups down the line. You've, um, you've just opened up a can of worms. So now I want to know what, what, genre, <laughs> what genres would you consider writing in? <laughs> um, I think I would be willing to go both up and down in age category. Ooh. Um, okay. I have, yeah, like I have some manuscripts on the back burner that would probably do better as adult. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've also like, I used to think I would never do middle grade because I didn't think I could pull mm-hmm. off the voice, but like, I have a lot of really good friends who do middle grade and having read their stuff. I'm kind of like, this is fun. I kind of want to try it now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. That's interesting. I feel the same way. Like as we are both in our own faces of writing our mm. own novels and I'm like, I could contemplate maybe writing in another genre. And then I think about it and I'm like, no, 
Yeah. I have a scary one. idea. Yeah. Like yeah. Sci-fi, sci-fi is terrifying to me. Like oh, I, absolutely. I like I you are a god on a pedestal. I do not understand how you write sci-fi. Like meh. I write it like it's fantasy and then I just kind of hand wave the technological uh, explanations. I think I would call I everything that. thingamabobs and, yeah. and whatchamacallit. <laughs> no, the best part is I tell this story. I, I think I actually told this story at an Imaginarium panel, in fact. So ironically enough, despite the fact that I have no scientific talent whatsoever, my father is literally like a professional physicist. Oh, cool. So, like, so he has like all the scientific talent that I lack. <laughs> and, like, so he read my books and like my father tries to be so supportive. I remember like being like, I know that the, the science in it is fake. Please don't judge it. And he was like, oh, well, it's not that far off. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Generous praise. Yes. <laughs> this is the man who took me to see the original Tony Mc- Toby Maguire Spider-Man movies and complained <gasps> through the entire second one about how that's not actually how fusion works. So oh, oh, no. oh wow. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So <laughs> you mentioned this. You mentioned your martial arts in one of your uh the who you invite dinner do you ever bridge any of that into your writing like any of that like yeah see funkiness yeah. yeah for sure for sure um I really love writing action scenes and I think a lot of that comes from having kind of grown up with martial arts and like okay. having it still be a big part of my life um yeah. but yeah no I have yet to write like a full-on like action action martial arts novel but I think like in my second novel Renegade Flight I do have like a combat tournament mm-hmm. in there that draws on a little bit of my martial arts background so that cool. was that's cool and you are a purple belt right I am and you just- <gasps> <laughs> look at who who I remember something <laughs> yeah, I told you I might stalk you later <laughs> that's so cool that's something that I've always been really interested in but never like felt confident like going into and you I- doing it your whole life or so jujitsu, I'm actually like, I have like less than four total years of experience mm-hmm. in that specific like art slash sport. Um, but I like grew up in traditional martial arts. Like I did like Taekwondo, I did Shotokan Karate. And so it was like always something that was like familiar and comfortable to me and yeah. like always something that I liked. And then like, as an adult, I got more into like kind of like modern combat sports. So like mm-hmm. jujitsu, MMA, yeah, yeah. Oh, that. so, that's so cool that is awesome I did jujitsu I think like three weeks for three weeks so like awesome. three different sessions uh one of my friends it was when I was living in Virginia nice. and one of my friends at the time she was like hey we can do this jujitsu class uh for a month and it's only this much to see if you want to get in it will you do it with me I was like sure why not I did it three times and then after she went full into it and she was like you want to keep going and I was like no, I'm okay. <laughs> that is I was fair. like, it was that fun, but I I used to kickbox. Um, awesome. I used to, no, I, I love, used to go yeah. to kickboxing. Kickboxing is awesome. Yeah. Muay Thai is so cool. Yeah. So I was like, I think I prefer this than being on the floor, but it that was fun. is I, it super was legit. Fun. I think yeah. that like spending all your time wrestling around with sweaty mm-hmm. men all day is very much an acquired taste, and I do yeah. not judge anyone who doesn't like it. So. <laughs> No, the only extent of martial arts that I have is uh, my dad was in Korea for six years. And while he was there, he was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to learn Taekwondo. And so 
fast forward to me being a, a wee pad on <laughs> he was like all right i'm gonna teach you the basics on how to defend yourself <laughs> he's like i'm not gonna send you to taekwondo school you have me <laughs> so it's so, just like the homeschooling parent yeah but like with taekwondo. A, a physical activity i mean it's in just- yeah. yeah. In his yeah. defense, he did have like a black belt in Taekwondo. Right. So like it, was, like, it wasn't just yeah. like he did like a, a few months at it. And then he was like, that would have been really funny though. If that, that would have been, been really you were like, all right, I'm here with my yellow belt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was a combination of learning Taekwondo on the back deck. And um, my dad also grew up in the mountains in Virginia. And so we would uh, use butter knives and he would teach me how to do, use them as throwing knives. That's awesome. Okay, that's actually really cool. I was throwing one time at like this axe throwing range that also happened to have like a knife throwing option. And it's actually a lot of fun. Yeah, it's so much fun. Yeah, it was, my dad has this like weird combination of like major Asian Asian influence from living in Korea for six years, but also like backwoods country. So he's like, you want to learn how to shoot a blowgun and throw knives? And I'm going to throw you how to show you how to throw a proper punch. It's like a combination of everything. yeah, we love. I was like, great. ah, growth. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, I love that little like side tangent we just had. <laughs> Amazing. So this is what we mean when we say that. Yeah, you know, it's just it it's, is. Oh, yeah, that's the joy of the podcast. Yeah. That's the joy of live conversation. Mm-hmm. So you have uh three books. Well, technically two out. Third one's coming out yes. today. Technically, with the day of the release. That's super exciting. <laughs> And they all follow different characters across yes. different. Um, and then the most recent one, is that in the future? Is it on a different timeline? So the third one, like, so the third one stands apart completely from my first okay. two. I feel like there's like, it is like they, it, like I've thought about this before. Like, I feel like if you were like a fan fiction writer, it would not be hard to write a crossover between those two worlds mm. because they are both kind of like, futuristic kind of alternate history timeline style like cyberpunk-ish worlds yeah Um, but yeah but the third one is technically its own thing my first two were with penguin random house Mm -hmm. um the third one Mm -hmm. uh kingdom of without is a simon and schuster project so it's like its own property um i have like the arc over here (gasps) oh that's so pretty (laughs) but yeah no so it's yeah so it is its own thing um but the first two books, those are both take place in the same world. Um, okay. So that is that is the timeline there. Very interesting. Um, I do like your description for it. Um, Lame is inspired young adult cyberpunk, mm-hmm. uh, fans of Six of Crows and Full Metal Alchemist. Um, I love that. I'm <laughs> gonna air out myself for a hot second. Me and my friends in eighth grade. I don't know why I'm telling you guys this. This is so embarrassing. <laughs> Decided that we were all going to cosplay one day as all the members from Full Metal Alchemist. I love this. That is Not amazing. Probably my favorite anime <laughs> of all time. Really? Okay. I love, we love anime. Yes. <laughs> I uh, like Full Metal Alchemist is one of my favorites. I obviously cosplayed mm-hmm. as it in eighth grade because I had apparently nothing better to do. There, <laughs> it wasn't even like spirit week. It was just like a random Thursday. You went to school in full cosplay? Yeah. Amazing. That. that is amazing. A hero of our times. Oh, I love we, that so much. The also, well, it, it gets worse, guys. It gets worse. The same friend group. <laughs> so we were all obviously like emo goth kids because like 
it's that that's a circle it's not a venn diagram yeah yeah cosplayers and emo kids are nine times out of ten in the same circle (laughs) (laughs) we also it happened to be 666 was it was june 6 2006 um we decided to dress in our head-to-toe like most like crazy goth like uh cosplay combinations and walk down the sixth grade hallway and reenact like one of Dante's Inferno like layers of hell and like six 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 (laughs) what was wrong with me I mean that is such a creative combination of elements right now Uh uh-huh like that is high art the eighth graders that I teach could never they could never. It was on another okay. level, guys. That is I, yeah, I'm honestly very impressed by. I was wilden. I was wilden <laughs> in, in the early 2000s. Um, Amazing. <laughs> anyways, that was um, fun. So, to go back to anime, do you use a mm. lot of? Do you have anime influences in your writing that people like us who are nerdy will pick up on? Or a hundred percent. Like I think like especially like my first two novels like rebel wing and renegade flight which i also have here as visual aids oh. uh, you can probably tell from the cover that there are definitely like <laughs> there um i think that was deliberate on the part of the penguin team design <laughs> design um choices but like yeah no like i mean the first the first two books that i wrote were literally just like blatantly like homages to like mecha anime like that entire genre like like yeah teenagers like getting into shenanigans with like giant mecha robot creatures that they pilot like it's it's a very classically like shonen anime plot line right there so we were literally before you got on camera I was like which anime is this This we were reading the descriptions and we're like wait this sounds familiar like I was like sounds very similar anime yeah (laughs) right yeah no I feel like yeah rebel wing I would definitely I like I feel like it's like Okay, so neither of these are technically anime references, but I feel like it's like Pacific Rim meets How to Train Your Dragon. Oh, but um, why is that? Is anime homage, so I feel like yes. it counts. Need to put that it as does. a tag because yeah. say less. If you said Pacific Rim and How to Train Your Dragon, I'd be like, yes, yes, right. <laughs> I need that now. Yeah, right? no, I was obsessed with Pacific Rim in like 2013, and I think I just like myself one day. I'm like, oh, what if like the giant monsters and the giant robots were all like just one creature? And it was a giant monster robot Boom. i mean so, I love that. Say, like i mentioned this in a previous episode i don't know when but i have like a soft spot for um like godzilla monster movies right like I they're just fun they're so good um speaking of continuing the anime conversation um have you ever watched i have yet to meet anybody who's watched this code lyoko no, but I yeah. remember seeing the ads for it on like I think like it was so Tsunami. good. It's yeah. a French yeah, it's anime. So good. It's a French. It's, it's made by French art uh, mm-hmm. designers, and it is very sci-fi. It's a bunch of kids who live in a boarding school, and they go into a computer realm, very Matrix X, and they have to fight uh, Xana, who is this evil, corrupt virus who keeps trying to cor- corrupt mm. the living world. It's very cool. It's it's very uh, cyber chase. But for older kids, yeah, <laughs> awesome. I might yeah. have to get yeah. into that. It's a, it's really like good. Yeah, yeah. Now. Oh yeah. No, um, I used to go to my piano lesson, and then I would come home and I would watch uh, Code Lyoko on after my piano lesson. Yeah. 
love it. The more you tell me about your like teenage years slash middle school years, the more I'm like, we a hundred percent would have been friends. Like I don't think I would have been as bold and bold in my decision making as you were as a teen, but I would have like greatly admired you and like followed your lead. Uh, I was I was <laughs> better or worse. I was wilding on a whole nother level. Uh, it's it's a it's a mood. <laughs> Right, because I was definitely like a big nerd who loved anime, but I think I was like way more closeted about it because I like still wanted to like be able to like pass as like a cool kid if I had to while secretly like enjoying all of my like little nerd hobbies. So I was like, I was a creature of two worlds. I, I had no hope. No. <laughs> I no. had no hope. I greatly admire, like, like you just yeah. leaned into who you truly no. are. No closeting about it. Oh yeah, no, there was literally like, I was like, I can't hide this. It's literally in every essence <laughs> of my being. So like, I'm, I'm the opposite because like, um, I'm super obviously nerdy. I teach Latin. I, you know, it, book podcast, anime, all that. And so then I tell people, I'm like, yeah, I was a cheerleader when I was in middle school and high school. And then I get that reaction. Oh, so you were like, like the opposite direction. Where no, you were like we were. Oh, no, I was hella nerdy in school. Like we were not cool. My friends and I, no, no I was in theater. I was in band. I was, Love you know, it. All that yeah. Stuff. Was also but a I did, theater nerd growing up. Yeah. I did have a like stent of like I was a cheerleader for a basketball cheerleader, but still a cheerleader. Still, still, I did. I was in a sorority in college, and people are like, "So was I." You right? Yeah, but like it's it's hysterical. So I was the opposite. Yeah, yeah. I I played basketball for one year. (laughs) Nice, nice. I I did. Got some jock energy on this podcast. Oh. I Big jock energy. Softball for two years, volleyball for a year, track and field for a year, swimming for a year, cheerleading for two. Dang. Dang, you really that like that around. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> I do I not. A... That's the ADHD. How I thought I was an ADHD. <laughs> when I was a kid, like looking back on it, I'm like, oh yeah, no, that tracks. Um, <laughs> I was reading your bio and I don't know, just from like what I read and my own intuition, are you a little bit of an adrenaline junkie? Do you like doing like some crazy stuff? A little bit. I don't know. I feel like I'm like, I don't know. I, as, as we can probably infer from the conversation we've been having, <laughs> humans contain multitudes. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm a bit of a walking contradiction in that I am both deeply risk adverse and also kind of an adrenaline junkie. So I do enjoy like the rush of like adventure and doing things that might otherwise seem dangerous, but I like having like safety measures in place. Well, yeah. And, like, yeah. yeah. Plans. Yeah. Zip lining? I went zip lining in middle school as part of, I think, like a mm-hmm. junior high trip once. That's um, a dope trip. <laughs> it was. It was. It was like part of a whole little like wilderness exploration. Oh, yeah. I, 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 I went on one very of those. that I am afraid of heights, but I like avoid <gasps> it anyway. <laughs> oh, man. That's, we yep. had this conversation with someone else. Um, I think the last interview we did, yeah. where it's like, I am terrified of heights, but I love heights. Right. So it's this weird, it's this awful juxtaposition. Oh, I, yeah. I want I to be up here, but I'm terrified. Of. Yeah. So yeah, I'm a bit of a spicy food. It makes me cry, but I also think it's good. <laughs> yeah. So. There you go. <laughs> I get that. Like I'm a bit of an adrenaline junkie. So like I'll I'll go for the rush just because. Mm, right. I, but like I love like, I mean, like I've been ziplining mm-hmm. multiple places. Mm-hmm. I've been thousands of feet in the air, you know, just for Amazing. fun. Yeah. Um so I was just wondering, I was like, do I have a fellow adrenaline? <laughs> I, think so, yeah. I think you do. So, yeah. 
like with an asterisk, but yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh yeah. yeah. I'm not doing, I mean, the dumbest, the dumbest thing mm-hmm. I've ever done was I free climbed, um, don't do this. This is highly illegal and it is no longer allowed to be done anymore. Um, I free climbed out into the Grand Canyon. Oh, um, damn. Okay. <laughs> Are you a boulder? Um, I could be, but no, <laughs> I just like real, I just like scrambling. I like, scr- I do a lot of rock scrambling. Okay. Gotcha. So like rocks, yeah. Rock scrambling is almost adjacent to boulder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So I rock scramble. So I rock scrambled out onto like a jetty in the middle of the Grand Canyon. That was like maybe 10 feet wide at, yeah. at, at the widest. So like, don't do that guys. This is, <laughs> leave that to professionals. I am not one of them, but <laughs> Um, that's probably like the riskiest thing I've ever done. I would say most adrenaline in- induced. Like literally I got back to like solid land, like on like not the cavernous side. <laughs> and my friends hugged me because they thought they had Josh from speed dial. Cause they were like, what if she falls? <laughs> I mean, fair, fair okay. concern. Yeah. yeah. And they like, yeah. literally they were like, oh my God, you're alive. You're alive. I was like, I don't think I'm going to die. <laughs> You had your own little like all Alex Honnold documentary moment there. I did. I really did. All right. Let's get into some actually book related questions. <laughs> all right. I, since I have a feeling that I, you know, I always go into this question. Like, I think I know the answer. Cause I like make these pre-decisions in my mind based off of the icebreaker questions. And then none of the authors to date have said what I think they are going to say. <laughs> When it comes to working and writing and planning your novels, are you a pantser or planter or panter? What is it? Panter or planner or somewhere in between. Okay. I would say that I am a planter. Um, (laughs) I feel like I am a pantser by inclination, but ever (laughs) since I guess like like turning pro, so to speak, and (laughs) on actual deadlines, (laughs) for monetary consequences if you don't meet them yeah like like many authors like have had to learn to be a bit more of a planner just to make Mm -hmm. sure things that get done and get done reasonably well um so it's definitely a learned skill Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah so I think that is why I identify as like a little bit of both where it's like there is a a bit of chaos gremlin in Mm -hmm. me that I kind of (laughs) have keep it under control (laughs) I mean I will say that and Megan's gonna I haven't actually told her you this before so I am a planner like to a T like yes I will write out full dialogue scenes down and like I have bio pages for sub like side characters sub characters people that you only see in one chapter I have bio pages for because I'm neurotic amazing i mean i have like a fantastic beast and where to find them book of all the creatures in my world with like migration patterns it's stupid <laughs> but i have it in case i might need it for it some sparks joy for you yeah like, oh yeah like more power to you um but i will admit now and again i'll be writing a scene and my two main characters are talking and then all of a sudden the conversation will just go wild and I, Megan, <laughs> and, it'll, and then all of a sudden like, the conversation just kind of evolves and takes a new path for a hot minute, like no more than like a page or two. And then we're back on track. But, <laughs> <laughs> but occasionally my dialogue goes a little nary away, away from me. I love that. That happens to me a lot. 
yeah. which I think is why yeah. I kind of gave up on being a pure planner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I've tried it in the past and I'm just like, you know what? It's not gonna, it's, it's not, not working. Gonna <laughs> yeah. yeah. My, the problem I find with like planning is I plan and then I get caught up in a detail and then I replan everything and it like changes like five different times and then nothing's happening because I'm working on one thing and keep changing it. So I'm like, all right, we just gotta, just, just gotta go for it, honestly. The little spinning beach ball of doom. <gasps> exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's just like constantly yeah. like reworking. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. So since yeah. you are a planter, um, when it comes to working on your novels, what inspires you first? Do you feel like a character like pops oh, in your head? Characters, a hundred percent characters. Really? Okay. People first for me. Mm-hmm. Sometimes concept first, like with Rebel Wing, my debut novel, like I told you, I was just like, oh, it would be cool to have robots. <laughs> That's yeah. fun. Make the monster in the mech of the yeah. same thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that would be fun. Um, so there is like, sometimes there's like a really vague concept, but like, it's almost always character before plot for me. Like mm. I'll come up with like the people that I kind of want to spend time with on the page. And then like the plot will kind of grow out of who these people are for me. Interesting. Um, nice. And I think, yeah. And I think that's why I tend to be a very like dialogue and action driven writer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been told that I would probably enjoy like screenwriting mm-hmm. and like doing more mm. like kind of like audio scripting just because I am such a like dialogue and action person. I am to the extent where like, I will like, write an entire draft and, and my editor will go through it and like go through it and be like, you need to like set like an actual scene here. Like if there's <laughs> people talking to each other or fighting each other or making out or doing whatever, but I have no idea where they are. I have no sense of what this world is. Like the characters are great, but it's like, they might as well be on like a green screen. <laughs> <laughs> That's really cool. You know, and like, I totally relate. I'm the same way. Character first, then realm comes after. Yeah. Like I literally told Megan the other day that I had a character pop up out of thin air because I was listening to a song. And then mm-hmm. I was like, ooh, new novel. And then I'm like, wait, finish first. Oh, no. <laughs> Save it for later. Do you listen to music while you're writing or anything? I do. I okay. do. Um, Is it I like- think, yeah, I, yeah I, I think this is common among a lot of writers who listen to music. I usually avoid stuff that has lyrics that I understand mm. not always occasionally mm. you know I can put on some Hozier or some Taylor Swift are you this is a side tangent because I want to hear all the music that you listen to because it's something <laughs> I'm obsessed with are you coming to the Hozier concert when is the Hozier concert in Richmond how did I not know about this sorry I just because you live so close I was like wait a second he's gonna be here well, I didn't August. know about this he's also I, he's I also gonna be in Chattanooga so. after this interview um, <laughs> yeah so yeah, I would um, love to go to a Hozier concert yeah. there's just letting you know there, there's one in Richmond in are August. you going to the Richmond Hozier I am going <laughs> okay all right well then I know that at least one person I know who will be there there you go just letting you know that it's happening <laughs> awesome. he's, he's also um, coming to to where I live and we're we're going as well so amazing love it anyways yes what what do you do you like listen to like any like instrumental like epic music like yeah I'll listen to a lot of soundtrack music I think is what helps like unsurprisingly I listen to a ton of Pacific Rim while writing Rebel (laughs) (laughs) I love that I have been listening to a playlist called sad battle music recently yes uh love it I've I've been listening to the folklore and evermore taylor swift i have written to that as well Mm -hmm. i think i spent a lot of the pandemic writing to that music yeah 
And it was mm. unclear whether it was because like, I felt like my books were actually encapsulated by Taylor Swift's lyrics or whether I as a person was just constantly <laughs> sad and needed to feel right? feelings while doing my work. Right? <laughs> yeah. I, I can't relate. I've, I've never listened to Evermore oh. before. So. It's, oh, it's so good. You talk so to my good. husband about it. He loves it. Oh, excellent. Excellent. It's, it's I, I, on the other hand, listen to words, words with music, music with words. Yeah. yeah. A lot of my writing is typically to, I have a whole soundtrack that is just writing playlists and it's vocal music. Um, and I like rap and like screamo and then everything nice. in between. Uh, Dermot Kennedy is one of the people. Hozier is also on the list too, mm-hmm. but awesome. um, yeah, no, yeah, I no, I respect that because like I don't know what I listen to when I'm writing kind of like alters again depending on my mood. Oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And like yeah, and like some yeah, sometimes that yeah. If you look at my writing playlist, there's no real rhyme or reason to them. Like no. there's a bunch of soundtrack stuff that's probably like the majority of what mm. I'll. But like there will be some like folksy stuff. There will be some Broadway stuff. I think um, mm-hmm. I think I have rest in peace from the Buffy the Vampire Slayer musical episode. Why is on this- both my writing playlist and my lifting playlist for some reason? So like you don't understand how many times Buffy has come up on our podcast. Amazing. <laughs> The last three I mean, author interviews. Like a, a science fiction fantasy book podcast. I feel like that's not we a surprising. Just, right. We all have the same like, yeah. background. It's like the same, the same trip. Like, you know, yeah. you're going to get people who will want to talk about Buffy, Avatar, The Last Airbender, mm-hmm. Harry Potter with an asterisk before J.K. Rowling. Yeah. 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 Turkey, yeah. Like. Uh-huh. yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. So yeah. I did have a question. Um, when it comes to like writing your books, do you have like a specific timeline? You mentioned that you have deadlines. So do you, how long does it typically take you to write a book? Uh, as long as it needs to, to, to I, it is amazing what the power of fear will do to <laughs> Like I am both a horrible procrastinator and somebody who works impressively impressively efficiently when sufficiently terrified for my career yeah, yeah, um, and I think it's a leftover from like yeah. let me just ask you guys were you like the the particular species of quote unquote gifted kid who would like write your entire term paper at like midnight before it was due and somehow still get an A and therefore you were never punished for this behavior so you just kept on reenacting yep. it into adulthood and now you don't know how to unlearn it because you're a um, now you you mean my entire college experience um, um, yeah <laughs> I had a feeling at hunts that we are all this yeah I, I I am I I'm a t- and I still am and it's something I have to work on because my students will be like when are you gonna grade our stuff and I'm like oh shit Oh, I, I your students too, so you also want to like not yeah. tell them to right. do it becomes like a do what I say right. don't do as I do situation exactly. all the time and so it's just yeah no I am a terrible procrastinator but oh, I yeah. am great under pressure yeah um, my I, students- might, I might cry while I do it but I'm gonna get it done and it's gonna be an yeah. A <laughs> I yeah, seem to be- last, yeah destroy my circadian yes. rhythms like probably put way more caffeine in my uh-huh. that is remotely healthy but it'll be <laughs> It'll get done yeah. pretty well. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you exactly. have a preferred time of day that you write? 
Oh God, no, I'm a, I'm a goblin. I do my best work after like 10 p.m. It's really Same. I, love yeah, I hate it. It's so, <laughs> I wish I were away other than what I am because it's, mm. it's terrible. I <laughs> am like an old British man that writes. That sounds strange, but it's so accurate. <laughs> so I write typically, like I write my best writing um, from about 8 p.m. to like 2 a.m. Yeah, that sounds about right. But the caveat, the reason why I'm an old British man um, is because I will proceed to consume probably at least a bottle of wine the entire time I'm writing. <laughs> so I am a drunk night owl. <laughs> oh, that's why I did in college. That is that's that's also what I did in college. It was okay. college where I had no money. Yeah. That so. is what I'm doing in my 30s. <laughs> <laughs> In, in college, I was taking shots and yeah, not writing a novel. Yeah. Very different, but the Very same, different. honestly. Yeah. But yeah, no, extremely relatable energy. Mm. But yeah, I wish I could give you like a responsible adult answer. Like I do great work at 2 p.m. <laughs> in the afternoon. Nine to five business hours, but it is not true. So I will not lie. That seems to be a common thread here. <laughs> yes. Not really just with is. you, but with most mm. of our authors. They're like, yeah, I try to write all day, mm. but usually I don't. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. So you are traditionally published. That's really cool. Yes. I don't know if we've had any traditionally this, published this year. Not oh, this year. Wow. You're okay. our first one this year. Yeah. Yeah. So how did that go for you? Um, since a lot of our listeners have not heard the whole, like how to, how a traditional publishing wow. process works. Okay. Yeah. I mean, first off, huge shout out to like indie self-pub writers. Cause the entire mm -hmm. reason why I'm traditionally published is because I'm a coward who's like afraid of like having to do everything by myself. And I'm also kind of lazy. So I was just like, I will just pursue traditional publication. Yeah. Because I want other professionals to do this thing <laughs> for me because I'm scared and don't know how to do it. Was it not <laughs> daunting filling out all those forms and like waiting like, for yeah, replies? Yeah, like having to figure out your own marketing plan and being like responsible for your own stock and like hiring a cover artist and hiring a publicity. I'm just like, it would, it would, I think I would have a nervous breakdown. So I've always had huge, huge respect for like mm -hmm. people who are successful self-published authors. Uh, Cause I do not know if I could manage it. <laughs> um, certainly like maybe down the line, one of these days, certainly I couldn't have done it as a debut. I don't think, <laughs> um, but yeah, for, for listeners who are only familiar with like the self-pub world and not with the trad pub world, um, I always like get it to kind of like, it's like the less, it's the less sexy version of being in Hollywood where you just <laughs> jump through a lot of hoops um, okay. where like you have to have a complete manuscript that's like not terrible. Like, <laughs> it's not going to be as good as the final product. I learned this the hard way, mm. but it has to be at least like good enough that like an agent will want to like finish reading it from beginning to end and see some like saleable value in it because what mm -hmm. you have to do next is then you have to go through this process called query writing where you send a bunch of letters to literary agents that you that you've identified who um who represent authors who do the same kind of writing that you do and you go and you pitch them and usually they'll want like I don't know, 10 pages, two to three chapters. It varies from agent to agent mm -hmm. of like your sample manuscript. And you tell them what the book is about and why it's a good fit for their list. And you show them your sample writing. And 
they will either ghost you completely, much, <laughs> much like uh, a Hollywood audition, or <laughs> if they like you, they might like ask to see your entire book and then ghost you or oh. tell you that you're not right for them. And if you're really lucky, they'll ask to see your entire book and then like actually make an offer. Which mm-hmm. And then eventually when you have an offer, you tell the other agents that you've written to that you have an offer and like, they'll kind of like speed read to see if they want to make a counter offer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then once you have your literary agent wrapping you in hand, then you usually revise the manuscript a little bit more with them to make it less bad. <laughs> um, and then you go on submission or rather your literary agent takes your book on submission to traditional publishing houses like Penguin Random House or Simon mm-hmm. Schuster, which is where I'm published right now. Uh, occasionally to some of the, I guess like they're not big five, but they're still pretty big. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, Flux Books, I think is another one that my agent pal has sold to. Uh, but yeah, there are a bunch of houses out there. Um, and they'll identify editors that they think would be a good fit for your work. And then they go through the whole process of auditioning your book the same way you had to for them. Mm-hmm. And then if your editor, if the editors that they submit to like the work, then they take it to like their acquisitions team. So it's like a, like TLDR, it's like a whole long process where you just, you kind of have to impress a lot of different gatekeepers on the casting house. <laughs> but the benefit of going through this less sexy Hollywood process is that if you successfully get through all of those hoops and you end up with an agent and an editor and a book deal with a respectable house, you don't have to do as much work. I think. Yeah. 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 Like, I, I don't know that much about self-pub. Like I, mm-hmm. not something I want to claim expertise in, but from what I understand from like friends who have taken that route successfully, you essentially have to be like a fully fledged multidisciplinary mm-hmm. entrepreneur where like, you are not only the writer, you are also like, now you're a marketing expert. Mm-hmm. Now you're also a sales expert. Now you also have to like know how to network with like your local bookstores yeah. and retailers yeah. and like manage social media and do all of these other things. And like, granted, you still have to do some of that as a trad pub author, but I think there's a lot more support built in for you. So mm-hmm. like, frankly, a lot more handholding in my opinion, just like based on the the differing experiences I've heard in self-pub versus trad pub. And like I, as like a 20 something debut author, really mm-hmm. holding man, like I am so grateful to my agent and my editor for everything that they do and that, that, that my team um, at Penguin and at Simon and Schuster does mm. try to like walk me through this journey. Cause I think like, um, again, I don't know if this is the case in self-pub, but in trad pub, I like it's, it's, it's said over and over again, but it's true. Like trad pub really is like it's a team sport like you are mm-hmm. the author, okay. but like you have this whole publishing team of like your editor your copy editor your your marketing team like your publicist all kind of like working together to bring together to bring this book into mm-hmm. that's really cool I have two questions uh one as somebody who has filled out my own queries before oh, I literally <laughs> <laughs> Um, what was harder for you condensing your entire manuscript into a one page summary or condensing your entire manuscript into like one sentence? Uh, oh God. Those Cause are- I have nightmares about doing those. <laughs> I do too. <laughs> Cause I've done them and it sucks. Mm-hmm. I think probably was the, like, 
I, don't, I feel like the the like the paragraph pitch was more work, but the sentence pitch took me longer, mm-hmm. to, like to to figure out and was like I, don't, I feel like it was like it was easier to be happy with the paragraph than it was with like the elevator sentence pitch. Yeah, mm-hmm. we have a sentence to squeeze your entire book into. You're gonna miss something. Uh-huh. Like the paragraph or like the page, you have a little bit more space to work. Like I just do you remember your one? Do you know your one sentence pitch? I think I've trauma blocked it from. <laughs> <laughs> like I legitimately am like I like literally have tried to say my one sentence pitch, and every time, usually I'm saying it in front of my husband. He's like, "We really need to coach you on this." Yeah. <laughs> <'Cause it's> not- <laughs> I mean, like also like the book that I had out, like Rebel Wing, when I was querying it, I think was also like a very different book from what I eventually wound up publishing after mm-hmm. like with my agent and my editor to kind of like massage out the story I actually wanted to tell yeah so like I mean part of why I don't think I remember my original query pitch is just because like the book itself changed so much between mm-hmm. the process of me just kind of like panic drafting it and being like oh I hope an agent likes this to, like, <laughs> um the point at which it became like an actual book mm-hmm. on, on store shelves <laughs> So my follow-up question was, how long was this process for you from the beginning of like agenting and to like querying and all of that? Like how long did it take you to get traditionally published? Uh, with Reveling, I think like I felt like I've, I've heard the stories about people who like write their book in like a month and get an agent in like a day and immediately have like an auction like oh gosh. later. And then I've also heard the stories about people who are on sub for like two plus Mm -hmm. years and I think I fell thankfully kind of like very neatly in the middle of those two extremes where I had a very average experience and then Mm -hmm. I think like it probably took me like a little less than a year to like draft and edit the book by myself before I started like taking myself out on submission to agents and then I think I was querying around for like a I want to say like four to six months before I got an offer and I think I wound up I, I think I had like maybe 10 to 12 queries out at the time and I wound up getting a total of three offers okay. uh, which is not bad it's not yeah. like mm-hmm. yeah you know three is a decent selection it's not like an overwhelming number but it's also it gave me some choice mm-hmm. um, and after I signed with Tao my agent we went on submission and I think we wound up selling to Penguin Oh gosh, I want to say like maybe two, three months into the process. She probably remembers more accurately than okay. I. Okay. I think I was just like I hate being on submission. It's very anxiety-inducing, and I think I was just in like a fugue state the entire time during mm-hmm. like, during yeah. months and weeks and days just became an artificial construct in my brain. So I don't <laughs> remember how long it really took. I mean, that's just yeah. like that whole process is so daunting to me. Like I've looked yeah. at it and I'm just like, I don't, I don't know if I can do this. I've yeah, only, but I think it was like a few months each. It was like a few months to get an mm. agent, like another few months to get my deal. So it was like, oh, you know, okay. I wasn't waiting like forever, but it wasn't yeah. like, I know it's like an over-application yeah. either. Yeah. I only queried once. I only went, submitted my manuscript once. This was mm-hmm. four, God, four years ago at the time. Got rejected, obviously. <laughs> Um, and, but it was, it was a good, like, it was good for me to be rejected. It also helped that I was in Mexico at a resort drinking margaritas. Right, <laughs> so like the best possible context. That is, right? it really it's is. like, oh, I got rejected. Um, bartender, another margarita, please. Right? There you go. Perfect. Perfect. 
perfect. Um, so I'm always just like really curious about that. And I know a lot of um, young writers are really curious about that. As two, three young writers, mm-hmm. I was writing manuscripts, stories from a very, very young age. And it's like the writing community, at least at the time, was very elusive and there was not mm-hmm. a lot known. It wasn't really until, unfortunately, to mention her name again, JK Rowling came out that we really heard much about traditional publishing, at least mm-hmm. not in my sphere. Right. So even now as a young, hopefully author eventually, um, it, it, I'm always just trying to find that like niche and I, I hope that people through our podcast can find a community where they can find answers. Cause I feel like it's so elusive sometimes mm-hmm. to be like, where can I find people that are writing first? Where do you find people that are writing like you that are mm-hmm. your age, maybe your like c- community. And then it's also like, well, how does this process even work? Like, what are the options that I even have? Like, I don't know anything except for what some random article I read online tells me. <laughs> And it's just, I don't know. I like, I like peeling back the layers. I like, I don't know. It's really nice. Yeah. To- no, I spent a lot of time on Google as like a 13-year-old. <laughs> uh-huh. Yes. Published. And back then, I mean, the publishing, <laughs> dating myself here, the publishing landscape looked very different. Oh, um, yes. Mm-hmm. I still remember being like a child when I think like Christopher Paolini came out with Aragon and finding out that he was also a child and immediately getting like, kind of competitive and being like you can do this I can do it too and like that I think that was kind of what set me on the like all right I'm gonna find out how this industry works Mm -hmm. route I mean I remember like we talked about this in another episode one of our one of my first like full written novels was fan fiction right yes like that's really common yeah oh yeah yeah. it's so common and I like literally it was like a self-insert fan fiction. It was my first like full <laughs> fledged. I novel. love it. Yeah. 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 And I um I'm I'm assuming you were the same way. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I actually like like so I don't I like read a lot of fanfic. I didn't mm-hmm. write a ton, a ton of it, but okay. I was very heavily inspired by a lot mm-hmm. of Yes, definitely wrote a lot I, of fan fiction. I have to ask, um, what was your favorite? Ooh. Um Tag. I'm trying to think. No, uh, world universe to read fan fiction in. Yeah, fandom. 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 That was the word I was looking for. <laughs> See, it's we don't, again. We know how to read. We don't know how, don't how, know to, how to speak. Yeah, uh, yeah. Don't know how to I don't. I mean, like, I don't know about you because I feel like I've like moved through different like fandom phases mm. as I've yes. like, I'm like hyper fixated on different media properties at different points in my life. Yes. <laughs> I don't know like what I spent. The, I remember I think like my first fandom. Uh, speaking of problematic authors, was like Ender's Game. Oh wow! So I know very well how it feels to have like a beloved media property destroyed. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Awful. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I think it was that. Also, oh, I think I read Outsiders fanfic by S.E. Hinton because I also really liked that book when I was like twelve. Okay. Um, Okay. So yeah, not big fandoms there. Uh, Mm. Not of course, unsurprisingly, like early mid 2000s got sucked into some anime fandom mm-hmm, of course um, yeah so that's the, all i read was yeah, anime read a fandom. lot of like yu hawk show roni bitch sorry i'm so excited yu yu hawk show is my favorite anime oh oh who was your favorite of the four <laughs> boys 
on okay. Team Do you want to know how many? Okay, my screensaver was. Oh my. Oh my God. I'm so excited right now. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so when I mentioned that my first um, manuscript that I ever wrote was a white a self insert uh, fandom fan fiction, it was to Yu Yu Hakusho. <laughs> And who was your love interest? Was it Hiei or Karama? Neither. <laughs> okay, who, okay, now, okay. okay specifically, specifically, full demon form, Husuke. Oh, okay. Like, I wanted the long hair, the tatted body, like, I wanted all of it. <laughs> you were amazing, amazing. You were like it's, a monster. It's all making sense now. Yes. Before Guillermo yeah. del Toro made it mainstream, made it mainstream. And, and prestigious the hipster, the awards, you the were hipster like, of monster fucking right, right here. Twelve-year-old you was like, I'm on this already. I, he was my he was my background, like my school laptop. I got a school laptop <laughs> in seventh grade, and I made him in his demon form my background on my school laptop. Amazing. I, I feel like this is on brand for like. <laughs> I've heard about your middle school self because like all of the girls I knew who were into you hawk show were like they were either like PA girls or Karama girls or <laughs> now sometimes you got like team Koenma girl which was also acceptable yes that is it I mean like I'm not I'm not I'm not shitting on anybody's like love interest but like I personally was team Hie Karama a lot of people were in fairness but I also read a lot of Karama Yusuke and that was hot uh <laughs> <laughs> That was actually, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm getting this out loud right now. <laughs> my first um, uh, fan fiction that I ever printed off was a uh, Karama Husuke, uh like fluff piece that I printed oh. off. <laughs> and I, it, it was like they were in a snowy cabin in the woods. I still remember this to this day. Was and there it, only one bed? Yes, there was only <laughs> one bed. <laughs> And they, uh, it started over a cup of hot chocolate and I printed oh, it amazing, off. Amazing. You were a woman before your time. I printed it off. Now this really, okay. This ties into the sci-fi. Yeah. I printed it off. I put it in a little like manila folder. Cause, uh, and then I, I took it and I met my friends at the movie theaters. Cause we were going to go see the Tom Cruise war of the worlds. Oh my God. <laughs> and so mind you, we had already seen the Tom Cruise war of the worlds three times mm. we were going to sit in the back row to read fan fiction <laughs> <laughs> so we were sitting there swapping in a dark room with another <laughs> movie going in order to do this so we were swapping printed off fan fiction specifically you Hakusho fan fiction in the back of a movie theater while tom cruise was fighting aliens <laughs> amazing jeff's kiss what an yeah. experience what a quintessential uh, girl nerd experience early 2000s like it's a mood uh -huh. <laughs> oh my God. It really is. like i'm pretty sure it said lemon somewhere on there too of like course it did. <laughs> all right oh tying into the uh what a wonderful time capsule of a story oh god <laughs> yeah i have quite a few of those and it it makes me feel ancient sometimes <laughs> Um, speaking of sci-fi and tying this back into what we're here for, your amazing writing, um, out of your three main characters, which one do you think is the most like you? Which one do you think would be your best friend? And which one do you think maybe like rivals or maybe like frenemies or just enemies? <laughs> oh man, this is a really good question. I really like this. Um, the three main heroines that I've written so far, 
Oh God. So I feel like that's a complicated answer because I write young adult fiction. So like all three of them are technically teenagers. So there's the question of which one is the most like me when I was a teenager and which Ooh. of them are most like me now as like an adult at like my grown big age. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think my my first heroine, Prue, was probably the most like baby teen Andrea. Cause that book was also very much written almost as like a love letter to like my baby self and yeah. like all the anxieties that I had as a teenager. I think that's Aww. really common with like young adult writers mm. is that like we write for teenagers because we have a lot of empathy for our adolescent selves yeah and I want to like write mm. back to like the kid that we were and to like and by kind of like by osmosis to like kids mm-hmm. today mm-hmm. hopefully hopefully this is the hope um can still kind of like resonate with those stories that we want to tell so like Prue was very much a character that like was born of like a lot of the anxieties that I remember from being like a kid in high school mm-hmm. who was anxious about everything all the time and like maybe a little bit willing to break the rules but not too much and like really wanted to like please her mom but like also wanted to be one of the cool kids and just like was torn in like all of these different directions and wasn't quite sure who she was mm-hmm. um so yeah so I think that was that character was probably the most like my teen self the character that's most like my adult self might actually be my most recent heroine because Ning are the heroine of Kingdom of the Battle. She's, for one thing, she's the oldest of the three of them. Mm. Like, I think she's uh-huh. like, like mm. 18, 19-ish versus the like 16, 17-ish of like the first two girls. And second of all, she's like, I don't know, she's like, she's not in school. She's never, like in fairness, she's never gone to school, but she's like, mm-hmm. she's kind of had to be an adult her entire life. Mm-hmm. And so like, even though she's technically a teenager, she has a much more adult personality. And I think she also relates to like, she speaks to like the younger millennial, older Gen Z hustle of like, kind of constantly having to like, work for your daily bread and like never having a moment's relaxation. Cause like when you first meet her in this book, like she is legit like she's like she's a cat burglar who's taking on this like sketchy gig that's the equivalent of like a weird like task rabbit job because <laughs> it's like well I'm out of money and I need to make rent and I have all of these bills so I guess I'll just take this shitty job because I don't know what else to do which I think is something that a lot of like 20 30 somethings of uh-huh. our can like relate yeah. to even though she is technically younger yeah. than us so like, so yeah, so that would answer that question. And I'm sorry, I've like gone off on a giant. Like, no, I love it. No, we love tangents. What were the other two questions? Um, I always said, who would be your friend? Who are you most like? And would any of them be like your frenemy or your like rival if you were gonna like compare yourself? Oh man, okay. So we've answered the like, who am I most mm. like? Um, in terms of like, who would be a friend or an enemy? I feel like I do need to talk about my middle heroine, the middle child. Um, <laughs> it's uh, always the middle child. Yeah, Viola, middle child. the heroine of Renegade Flight was not very much like me as a teen. I think she had abundantly more confidence. I think she probably has more confidence than even my adult self. <laughs> Self-possessed and very convinced at all times that she is in the right. And I think I think that would have rubbed teen me the wrong way. Like I think. Mm-hmm he would have been really intimidated and like kind of put off by that I think adult me like especially like seeing that personality on like because at the end of the day she she is still a teenager right so I think Mm -hmm. like 
kind of like my adult self with like having a bit of a like big sisterly personality would look at that and be like oh look at you like I kind of like I like you haven't really broken down by the world yeah. I kind of want to take you under a wing mm. and like protect you <laughs> that's awesome I I like it it's such an interesting question and I like how you interpreted it differently since you do write YA mm. versus NA or adult and I think that's a, a delightful interpretation. Yeah, of yeah it. I agree. Um, so going to your titles, did you already, like, have these been the titles since day one? Did you, like, have to workshop them? Did you put a bunch of names in a bowl and pick one out? <laughs> How oh, did God. you come up with your titles? Oh, my God. For Reveling, for my debut novel, I think my agent, my then editor, Julie, and I have legit, like, like I think it's like a, a 60 email thread that's <gasps> just coming up with different potential titles really like it took so long because not only did we have to find something that all three of us like mm. we also had to find something that everyone on the penguin random house marketing team or publicity team sales mm. team like all of those the the head honchos who know understand things about money and the market and what sells books mm -hmm. they also had to all like it Why? So that was the hard part um so that took a very very Time. do you remember what you originally called it or did you ever have a working title yes I remember a working title I think I queried rebel wing originally as prudence among rogues because Ooh. my heroine was named prudence prude mm. for short and I think she opens the book by like getting in trouble and like having to essentially like go on like not probation exactly, but she has to like do the equivalent of like mm -hmm. community service to get herself out of trouble, which is how she ends up like piloting this robot mm -hmm. dragon, not to spoil the whole plot. No, no, no you're not. Like, I was like, oh, prudence among rogues, as in like, she's a bit of a rebel, a bit of a rogue, mm -hmm. but there's also like that kind of double entendre to it. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. That's my, that's my biggest fear is that like, they're going to make me change my title. I love my title. <laughs> yeah, no, I really like my working title, but I was told that my, my, my delightful little pun was not marketable to, right. my, yeah. so they made me change it. That's okay. I like Rebel Wing. It rolls off the tongue well. Oh, it's, I like it too. Oh yeah, it's very uh, eye-catching. Out of all your three novels, since they're all essentially standalones, two within the same universe, one completely a standalone, have you ever considered writing a series or anything like that, where that's a continuous. Oh gosh, I have, I have very probably undiagnosed ADHD. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I have the attention span for it. I think when I was like 13, I really loved the idea of doing like, like those doorstopper fantasy trilogies. Because mm -hmm. like, that was so in vogue back then. And I thought to be like a cool fantasy author, you had mm -hmm. to do that. And I thought it would be really fun. Mm -hmm. That's also a lot of work and a lot of writing. <laughs> and in the same world, keeping track of many, mm -hmm. many continuities. And yeah. Even, like, writing two like relatively short standalone set in the same world. There was like a lot to track in order mm -hmm. to keep that world consistent. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I could see myself doing it. I do really like playing in the same sandbox once I've built a world. Yeah. Inevitably, I think like by writing a book set in a world that like a speculative world that you built, you open yourself up to a lot of questions about what else happens in that world. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. 
but yeah, I don't know. I think to do a series, it would it would it would require all of the the planning side of my like planting. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, I haven't ruled it out. I definitely mm-hmm. haven't ruled it out. Oh, um, cool. Very without without actually mm-hmm. originally, my editor I think had wanted a sequel for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is like I'm not going to spoil it, but when you get to the ending, you could see how it sets itself mm-hmm. up very neatly for a potential sequel. But I would argue that it does also work as a standalone. Mm-hmm. So yeah. like, I don't know. We'll we'll see down the line. Okay. Okay. Cool. I mean is, um I have a quick question. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, is do you ever think about possibly going back to the world of Rebel Wing and Renegade Flight and oh, working in that world? Yeah. Okay. Um I don't know if I would necessarily do another book set in that mm. universe, but I think I have a lot of I would love an excuse to do some like short stories set in that world because I think yeah. there are a lot of fun little like side characters mm-hmm. and characters um, that would be, it would be cool to do like little character studies of them, almost like doing fanfic of my own world. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, <like in laughs> Why not? Because like Rebel Wing was very much like a generational saga where mm-hmm. it's like it's about these like teenagers who are sort of like carrying the banner in like a modern like in a in a modern political conflict but it's also a modern political conflict that's very much informed by the choices that their parents generation made mm-hmm. and their parents appear on the page and you kind of like see references to like the shit their parents got up to yeah were teenagers right. and so I've gotten a lot of questions from readers about like are we going to see a prequel about mm-hmm. the parents older generation when they were teenagers or like in their early 20s mm-hmm. and like I think that would be a lot of fun like, I don't know if it would merit an entire book in and of mm-hmm. itself, but I think that there there could be some really fun epistolary content. There could be a really good short story series. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of like my my dream pet project for okay. that. You answered my question next. I was going to ask you if you could could pick one side character who would you write about and you <laughs> I would write about the parents in Rebel yeah. Wing cool. <laughs> when they were young. Cool. That is cool. Yeah. What I was going to say is Megan and I are both are writing in fantasy. And so we're, mm-hmm. we've created these massive worlds and we both <laughs> have individually talked about, well, you know, I'm writing in this one section of the world, you know, eventually I might <laughs> write something about over here. <laughs> like we have both created rather large sandboxes for ourselves. Right. <laughs> like I counted one time and I was like, I have 12 different, like novels I could write from my world amazing amazing and I'm like why would I want to write anything else and then of course I told Megan the other day I was like I think I have a new fantasy world I want to write (laughs) (laughs) she's like Natalie no (laughs) um so earlier we were talking about how you mentioned you know you've thought talking about uh working in other genres Mm -hmm. specifically what genres might you want to work in that's not sci-fi fantasy Oh, if you were to, yeah, I think I would stick to speculative fiction. I don't know that I would necessarily go outside of that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like I, I think I would write up or down an age group. I don't know yeah. that I would do something that's like a huge departure from science fiction and fantasy. Okay. I see myself doing a little bit like more like I could see myself doing something a little bit more like swoony and romancy. I could see myself doing a little bit more like gothic horror. I could mm. see myself doing something that combines those elements because mm-hmm. that's what I that's what yeah. I'm assuming. Like I loved Crimson Peak. I would love to do a book that comps to that one of these days. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but yeah I don't know I mean I think like science fiction and fantasy of themselves in and of themselves like that that's such a that's such a diverse category and mm-hmm. so many subgenres already that I feel like I could venture outside of the comfort zone of what I've already written while still kind of remaining a spec fic writer mm-hmm. if that makes sense yeah oh yeah absolutely I could definitely see you writing paranormal dystopian fantasy. Yeah, I think that would be super fun. That feels very you. If if you do write that, please write it as new adult. Uh, just a personal request. <laughs> I would personally really like that. <laughs> just um, for Natalie, no one if else. If <laughs> you would like to dedicate it to me, I'll take that as well. I mean, I definitely went through like a paranormal romance phase when I was like mm. 14. So I think it would be fun to go back and try to write that now. Yeah. And like one of the so. things that I've learned that like paranormal is sometimes a dated term. One of the things mm. that I've discovered as I have re dived into the paranormal fantasy world is paranormal doesn't mean that you're always reading about werewolves um Mm -hmm. and that was very refreshing for me like paranormal can mean like I think one of the ones that really jumps out to me is I read a whole paranormal series around like um resurrection and death and death being a character and like there was fae but there was also humans and then there was like other and then there was like the the middle ground the Mm. no man kind of creatures and all sorts of things so there wasn't like oh we're vampires we're werewolves we're (laughs) we're a shifter it was it took that fantasy element and Mm -hmm. made it and like it was like fantasy and necromancy kind of blended together oh that is really and I really liked it because and Megan read this year she was exactly what I'm talking about It's also yeah. dystopian, so it takes place mm-hmm. in like a post-apocalyptic version of um, Western, Western, Eastern, Eastern, Eastern Europe. <laughs> yeah. Fascinating. See, yes. like I feel like you now need to write the the paranormal romance, modern paranormal romance that is a a thinly veiled version of full demon Yusuke <gasps> with like your hapless <laughs> new adult heroine. <laughs> oh, speaking of creatures that are neither vampires nor werewolves. I mean, don't get me started on a good demon. <laughs> Natalie, she's, she's not wrong. <laughs> Wait, so Megan, remember that character that I was telling you about? The, yeah. the assassin that yeah. wears red? Yeah. Maybe she's hunting a demon. There Maybe you go. Oh. There you go. Thank you for your acknowledgments one day. Like. You write me a paranormal new adult fantasy. I'll write this. Deal. Deal. Oh my God. This is hilarious. I love this so much. Um, so going away from the writing author aspect, just as a general reader, are you an e-reader, physical reader, follow up? What are you reading right now? Are you reading anything? Um, yeah, I really like, I mean, I prefer reading physical books because I do like the excuse to give my eyes a bit of a break from screen time. <laughs> yes. But I also, like, I don't know, books are heavy and take up a lot of space as much as I love them. <laughs> yeah. I do also like spend a lot of time like reading on the screen and reading on my phone mm-hmm. as well. So I will, I will go both ways. Like I think yeah. that there are merits to both. Um, but given the choice and given the option, I do love reading like a physical mm-hmm. book. There's just something nice about like curling yeah. up a key in a paper bound book. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, for sure, for sure. What are your uh, thoughts on audiobooks? I like them. I haven't mm. really delved into trying them, but I do, over the course of the pandemic, I did get into podcasts, mm-hmm. which I think is often a gateway drug into getting into audio. Yeah, interesting. So. Okay. I agree. Mm-hmm. What was the last book you read? 
Uh, so let's see, I am currently reading my friend Gina's fantasy novel, um, Violet Made of Thorns, which is excellent. Um, if you like, like, kind of like classic fairy tale fantasy, mm. and, but you want to see a really fascinating and really deliberate deconstruction of all those tropes, I highly recommend her work. Hold it's up. fantastic. Um, I'm really loving it. The last book that I finished reading was like adult science fantasy by my friend mm -hmm. Alex Darwin, who fascinatingly, he started as a self-pubbed author and then eventually mm -hmm. got picked up by TradPub. So his his debut, The Combat Codes, was originally self-pubbed on Amazon and it's getting, and it just got a re-release through Orbit Books. Oh, cool. Um, wow. Um, and it's like, and it's been completely kind of like revamped and retooled. Mm. And that's the version that I wound up reading. And it's excellent. Like it is, it's, it's so good. It's so much fun. Um, it speaks to me particularly because like he's a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt who follows a lot of MMA and his world building is very action oriented. Mm. And it's very much about like fighting and like kind of like the warrior's journey and but he does such a good job of it and he's very good at writing action that I think like will appeal to like martial arts nerds yeah but, like it's also like accessible to pretty much mm -hmm. anybody so I yeah so that was the last book that I finished reading and I'm very mm -hmm. excited for his season. very cool so. I'm 99% sure that uh Violet Made of Thorns is that the book that you were talking about yes I, I think I have that saved in my TBR to read. Yes, okay. Tell me what like, you did and tell me what you think. I, I, I pulled up the, I looked it up because I was like, oh, I'm really interested in this. So I'm leaving for a trip in like a few days. So I'm about to stuff my Kindle full of literally anything that I could possibly yeah. read. Um, And I was just like, I looked at the cover and I was like, I've seen this cover before. I know yeah. this book. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, wait a second. I was like, let That's me. the best reader stuff, man. I was like, wait a second, let me pull up this bio. I was just like, hold on, hold on. This looks real familiar. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. I always love a, a good book. I mean, obviously I love a good book. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I, I have, oh, I have my so many thoughts in my head. <laughs> There's so many like. Oh, I see Katie on the screen. Sorry. Oh yeah. Yes. This is this is Sage. Hello. He's been locked in the, uh, the room with me. I've locked all of mine out. I have three <laughs> animals, and wow. they are not in the room <laughs> for good reasons. They are a little chaotic. Last mm. we've had them unplug my mic and knock my whole camera situation mm -hmm. onto the ground before so they're not allowed yeah that's that sounds on brand <laughs> yes half the time it's my dog so <laughs> i mean yeah also yeah. on brand for yeah. dogs having grown up so. yes yes so um Very cool i feel like there was one more question i wanted to ask you and now i'm i'm completely <laughs> emptying it oh i mean since this has been a heavy theme in this entire episode do you currently read like any web comics or anything like that to go along with the ebook physical book uh, conversation i am not currently reading any i mm -hmm. it really got into web comics i think like in like in high school and then kind mm -hmm. of fell off the bandwagon i would love to get back into a good one. Oh, i have yeah. a good one hold up i'm 99 <laughs> sir it's about jujitsu too so <laughs> just if you want to read about what you do <laughs> amazing amazing it's, it's very I, I think it's cute um it's about a girl whose sister well we don't really know what what was up with her but she was really good but she ends up um training with a like world-renowned celebrity but he has gone into hiding and oh. so it's like this duality of him like 
he has walked away from the fame because his parents like used him as a child prodigy and now he's like but she wants my help how do i say no but keep my identity secret and she's learning to like she's learning confidence she's like a brown belt and it's it's really it's cute it's very okay wait what is it called i will definitely check i I will pull it up I am a I am a habitual webcomic reader. Mm. I we I I weed about three a week. Oh my gosh. <laughs> my um let's see. It's called The Gentle Way. Okay, I will look that up. It's uh let's see. Yeah. It, ju- judo, sorry. Wrong wrong martial art. <laughs> no worries. We cross train with judo people. So yeah, it's it's about it's judo. Cool. We have it's, we have like all the same techniques. It's fine. Like, <laughs> Well, I, I, so my husband used to do martial arts and I was just like, what are they, I would like show them a picture. Cause I was like trying to, I was showing him the comic and I was like, I don't know what they're doing. And he's like, what do their uniforms look like? I'm like describing that. And he's like, that sounds like judo. And I was like, let me pull it up. And I showed it. Yeah. Him, like, if you yep. pull up like, yeah, like if you pull up like classical, like Japanese judo, Brazilian jujitsu, and then like freestyle, like wrestling that you see in like like American collegiate or high school rest, like mm-hmm. those three martial arts, like they're like, if you form a Venn diagram, there's like a very large circle overlap <laughs> between those three. Yeah. yeah. So, yes. Oh, um, I feel like I was going to ask you. Something. Oh, so tying in the whole like martial arts into the writing, which you said you did some in your second novel, when acting out these like high action scenes, do you ever feel like, like you have to like, bounce off the scene with another person to make sure it like makes sense you're like okay well if I like grabbed your arm like would it move this <laughs> I mean with your experience do you ever like feel like you have to run through those like more intensive scenes with a almost like a, a scene partner <laughs> I haven't tried that but now I kind of want to I feel like that would make that would really? make more fun <laughs> I do that with my husband all the time I'm like okay if I pull your arm this way or I put you in a chokehold, what is your first <laughs> instinct? And he's like, oh dear God, here we go again. <laughs> yeah, no, now I kind of want to try that. I have like lifted some stuff directly from like things mm-hmm. that have come up when I've like competed. Yeah, or yeah. Like, so like that's been like a useful kind of like source to go back to from just like personal experience. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, now I kind of, I kind of want to like pull out one of my like jujitsu or <laughs> be yeah. like, hey, I need to like stand here and like right? get a second opinion on this now. It's like, does this make, like you like reenact the scene uh-huh. with somebody in person? I do that. Right. And luckily, I mean, I have my husband, so he's kind of like forced into it. He has no option. <laughs> I'm right. just like, all right, I'm going to pretend to break your finger now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's just like, he's such okay. a good sport. <laughs> Amazing. I was just curious about the, your writing technique and things like that. Cause it's, I, well, you're doing me a great new research. I there think. you go. There you go. <laughs> I guess I have one last question for you. Um, because I am a nosy Nancy and I want to know about your cover design, like the creation of it, the like mock-up, like working with an artist like what was that like oh um I have been incredibly lucky in that my team at Penguin and at Simon & Schuster now they've been great at finding me in like very very talented mm-hmm. artists whose work awesome. I love um I think like with my debut like I had been told over and over again that like authors don't really get much say in their covers mm-hmm. but I got got a surprising amount of say like yeah, I got like, nice. like I got to see mock-ups Mm -hmm. Um, my editor asked me to send her pictures of like covers from existing books that I liked that I thought might make good references. Okay. Um, I got to send in some of my ideas and then the artist just kind Mm -hmm. of took what 
like I, my agent and my editor agreed on and just mm-hmm. kind of ran with it and like came up with something really beautiful. Um, awesome. And I think like in, in at least a couple cases with my books, I think like there were two different mm-hmm. options and they're like, which one do you like better? And I'm like, oh, no, I am on the casting couch. <laughs> <laughs> That's so cool. I, so I have a background in art and so I'm always just like, tell me about your cover design. (laughs) I want to know more. (laughs) But yeah, no, I'm obsessed with all of my covers and I'm, yeah, I could not be more thrilled. with. I mean, you should be there. It's a nice color palette. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I love that they, they, they do look like they're, they're like, we are pandering to an mm -hmm. anime loving audience. I mean, say less. It makes sense. (laughs) Say less. Like, I'm like, ooh. We are pandering to people who love anime and like comics. Oh no. (laughs) That's so cool. I don't try to, oh, I I did remember one last question I wanted to ask you. For our audience to be enticed to read not only your up and coming novel, but any of your previous novels, is there any um, hot takes, tropes, or like taglines that you want to be like, if you like this, this, and this, check out X, Y, and Z? Oh, man. I mean, I already gave you my like Pacific Rim meets how uh-huh. to <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah, I would say like if you like competition plots and like heavy, more heavy duty action scenes, you'll probably like my second novel, Renegade mm. Flight. Mm. Um, I'm only thinking of this because you talked, you brought up that fanfic story about sitting oh. in the back of the movie theater. But like, I promise this is not like the <laughs> point of Kingdom of Without. But I do specifically remember workshopping this with my editor there is a there's only one bed oh no scene in there hey specifically requested and lovingly written so you can get that in there it is not the point the book is about like you know politics and revolution and like an alternate history stemming from like the match machinations of like the the monarchy that never was in 20th century china and like much more serious things but also there is there is a a smoldery scene in which there is only one bed and there and much unresolved sexual tension ensues. So I love that. A little one bed trope, all for no. that. Right. And I felt like I had to bring up the one bed trope because I did tease you about the one bed trope. Yeah. yeah. It's okay. That's fair. I laugh at myself. So I was like, time. all right, I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll balance the scales. So. <laughs> Uh, well, just real quick, I have a question before we wrap up, um, following up with that. What are your favorite types of scenes to write? Ooh. Oh, good question. Um, I love at least favorite. Favorite scenes, I love me some good banter. And I love, like I mentioned earlier, writing action. Um, I think just because like, yeah, I love, I love a well choreographed fight scene. I love the John Wick movies. I, <gasps> Ooh, yes. I, yeah. Like I, I will take every excuse to put that kind of beautifully choreographed action onto the page. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like in many ways, it's just like the physical version of dialogue. Um, so yeah, so I, I would say those kinds of scenes are my favorite to write. <laughs> my least favorite is probably anything that's exposition because they <laughs> can figure out how to make it interesting and not mm-hmm. just sound like a weird textbook info dump. I think <laughs> better at it with time it's taken some work and some mm-hmm. very patient editors but I've gotten there and like it's 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 part of like my my own world building weaknesses that I am continuing to attempt to so I totally get that I totally get that oh yeah oh yeah 
I have to, I um, was way too heavily influenced by uh, J.R.R. Tolkien growing up. So ah, I definitely yes. have noticed that I will have full pages of descriptions of plants. Nice. <laughs> and I'm like, Natalie, you don't need that much of plant. <laughs> Mind you, it's not just one plant. It's many plants, but still. still I, don't, yeah. I don't know how many of my readers want to read. Your books, man. Yeah, but yeah. at the same time, like how much writing do you want of some trees? <laughs> Oh my gosh. Well, I think that wraps up everything that I want to know about this. Do you have yeah. any other questions? Nope. I'm good. All right. I feel like it's been a whirlwind, but in the best way. Yes. I had a blast. Yeah. This so Excellent. Much fun. I'm so this glad side- hand delivered that wax sealed invitation. <laughs> I'm so glad. I literally, no. Great I, decisions. I feel like we haven't addressed this. When we were, when we got together in the hotel mm-hmm. room, the, before we got to go to Imaginarium, we sat with our list and we were like, who are we going to see today? Like we, we plotted it out. We, we planned out, we circled your table. We underlined your name. We crossed it off the list. We were like, plan of attack. See Andrea Tang. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. I have never been more flattered to feel kind of like an assassination target. Yeah. Oh, like legitimately I had a printout of the map and I was, and I like highlighted your table and I, and I highlighted your name and I was like. Incredible. Oh yeah. I was just Love like, this. find her here. What a dream. What a dream. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Well, thank you so much for being on here. Yes, and, thank you. And again, congratulations. Your novel, today is your debut day for yeah. the release of this episode. So we're really excited for you and hope everything goes well. Yeah, uh, thank you so much for having me, especially for release day. For yes. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. So hopefully you guys will go check her out. You're on Instagram. You you can, I mean, literally just Google her name and she pops up. Yeah. <laughs> guys. Um, I love SEO. <laughs> yeah. Do you have any other platforms you want to shout out before? Uh, I am like kind of sort of on Twitter, but like Instagram really is my main. Oh, probably awesome. my main social media. Cool, cool, cool. Well, you guys can go follow her on there. You can find her through our page, through this podcast. And we hope to talk to you again, maybe when you have another novel. I don't know. (laughs) I would love to come back and return and continue geeking out on anime. Excellent. (laughs) Wonderful. Well, thanks guys for hanging out on this episode of They Know How to Write. We'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye.